The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to the Valentine's Views podcast for Friday. Please like, share, and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts across the Big Blue View Radio Network. Giants face the Las Vegas Raiders this week. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, there's been no news from either side this week. (laughs) There's absolutely nothing to talk about. So... I have Matt Holder of SB Nation's Silver and Black Pride here with me, but uh, Matt, I, I have no idea what we're going to talk about. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'll say this: uh, I did get a surprise out on when I was about to go to bed on Tuesday night that we might be able to talk about a little bit there. But yeah, yeah, I guess yeah, it's been well, that, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Other, other than that, but uh, you know that that surprise, you know, he, over here on uh, on the East Coast, that that surprise kind of hit me when I when I woke up uh Wednesday morning. So but let's let's start there. And you know it's the obvious place to start, but we also do a five questions and you and I traded five questions and and of course the firing of Josh McDaniel McDaniels was was the the big ticket item in that five questions. And did you see this coming? This soon? I mean, the you know, the, from the from the tone of of your five questions answer, it's like you knew that this had to happen eventually. But did you see it coming now? Yeah, I mean, kind of like kind of uh, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth right there. I mean, I definitely had a feeling that at if at this rate, you know, with the offense not being able to score twenty points, uh, which they haven't done yet this season, and Josh McDaniels obviously spearheading that offense with his his choice at quarterback. I had a feeling that he was going to get fired, but yeah, I was still surprised. I didn't think it would happen at the the halfway point of the season or not even the halfway point of the season because Paz hit week nine. So timing of it was definitely shocking, but the end result, uh, not so much. kind of felt like this was coming, and it just felt like Mark Davis didn't want to delay the inevitable at this point. What is it about Mark Davis, though? This is, what, eight coaches in 12 years, something, something crazy like that? I mean, is – is Mark Davis the problem more than more than anything else? What what's what's the deal? Well, I think part of it is he is his, uh, his father's son, and if uh, anybody's paid attention to the Raiders and during Al's later years, they know uh, he was not exactly the most patient guy when it came to head coaches. Um, pretty much the only one that Mark Davis has hired that he's been patient with was Gruden, um, just because Gruden was kind of like his uh, 
his great white Buffalo that he'd been wanting to get and lure out of the Monday night football booth for years. And then, I mean, he didn't even fire. And then when Gruden left, it wasn't even under, or it wasn't really up to Mark Davis. It was kind of the whole circumstances around that, that whole situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, he has to be partially culpable. I mean, like you said, the Raiders have had gone through several coaches and he's hired all of them. He's the only one ultimately making the decisions and that stuff. So he's definitely responsible um, for, uh, for the hires and, I mean, he's got to get this next one right because, like you said, this is not exactly a great uh, mark on his resume to be having turning out so many coaches and so many losing seasons like they have been since he's taken over. So definitely share some responsibility there. Well, what was it about the Josh McDaniels era that that made it a failure other than, you know, we can obviously look at the one-loss record, but I guess what was it that made – Josh McDaniels a failure as a head coach. I think part of it is he definitely wasn't the same person he was in uh, in Denver, where he was you know completely off the walls, arrogant, and you know I, there was a, a tweet thread from a guy that used to play for the Broncos back in those days. Uh, I believe it was last year. It was talking about how he basically ran it like a ran his program like a tyrant and was over arrogant, and at the time was the youngest head coach in the NFL, which I think rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And from what I understand, he was definitely not as aggressive this time around. But I think that arrogance and that lack of people skills really kind of reared its head. Like, I don't know uh, how much you guys have been seeing or been paying attention, but this all day on Twitter, they've been talking about uh, all the beat writers who cover the team, talking about how this is the happiest the players have seemed in, in all season. And <laughs> really in the last two years, they've got like a mini hoop in the bas- in the locker rooms, recording whole sets. So it looks like guys are starting to have a little bit more fun and kind of got rid of the guy that was probably getting under their skins. And I think that was the biggest thing more than anything that, and he's just kind of over arrogant and overconfident in himself. I think he didn't really want, want to adjust his offense with, with, uh, with the skill set they had around him, whether that be, you know, Derek Carr at quarterback or this new version of Jimmy Garoppolo that, um, you know, he was probably thinking he was given the Jimmy Garoppolo from 70 years ago that he had in new England, but that's not the same player that he was getting uh, this time around. So I think it was kind of a little bit of that where he was stubborn of, hey, my system has worked, but it also worked when when you had Tom Brady, who's the greatest quarterback of all time. So I think it was a combination really of that of his just lack of people skills and over arrogance that kind of really did him in as a head coach and has been the reason why he's failed at two spots now. Yeah, and and he'll he'll never get another head coaching opportunity. Oh no. no. But uh but let's talk about the interesting choice that the Raiders made for interim head coach. When when he was with the New York Giants, Patrick Graham, who is the the Raiders' defensive coordinator, was looked at as an up-and-coming head coach He was or up-and-coming coordinator. He was looked at as a guy who would become an NFL head coach someday. He may, I believe... You know, he even got a couple of head coaching interviews. I think he turned down an interview uh, with the Jets at one time. Then I think he might. I think he got an interview, you know, for the Giants' job eventually. That went. That eventually went to Brian Dable. But for me, I'm I'm interested in the choice of Antonio Pierce, who Giants fans know really, really well, of course, from from his time with New York, from his, you know, his leadership, you know, of a Giants Super Bowl winning defense. But I'm interested to know, you know, from a, a Raiders fan perspective, if there's any surprise that that the Raiders went to 
went to Pierce instead of Graham? Um, I think there was a little bit of surprise just because it was like a, a who are they going to pick in that kind of sense. Um, I don't know if there was much surprise that it wasn't Patrick Graham per se. I think uh, a lot of people with how the defense performed last year were kind of down on Patrick Graham. Now, defense this year has played out of their minds, and I actually give Patrick Graham a lot of credit. So I don't think there was like much of like, oh, why not Patrick Graham? It was more of just a who is it going to be kind of deal. Um, you know, I totally understand where you're coming from, where it's, you know, Graham's been viewed as a head coaching candidate. I just know typically when you get um, an interim situation like this, usually, you know, they kind of promote either like a special teams coordinator or a position coach that was a former player um, like Dan Campbell. If you remember a few years ago, he was the tight ends coach uh, for the Dolphins, I believe, when they fired Gase. Uh, maybe I have the timeline wrong on that, but, you know, that's typically who they like to pick. And I think part of it is you're not obviously going to be able to hire a new defensive coordinator in the middle of the season. And they obviously have a lot of responsibilities versus, you know, a regular position coach. So I think it's a little bit easier. And plus, you know, Antonio Pierce, I think him being a, a relatively recent retired player, um, at least compared to the other guys on the staff, I think that made him a good candidate. And like you said, been a good leader, good, uh, been a good guy that I think will be a good motivator and, and all that kind of stuff that you're really looking for from a head coach. So I'm excited to see what he can do. I guess it does make it easier in the sense that that you're you're making enough changes and they wanted to make changes right. on the offensive side of the ball. And at least if you make if you don't elevate Patrick Graham, then you're basically leaving the defense alone. So you're so you're not exactly. changing everything. I exactly. just thought I just thought it was interesting because I, I kind of figured, you know, eventually Antonio Pierce would rise up the ranks as well. Um, I guess the question is, with Antonio Pierce, does he have a legitimate shot at getting this job, you know, beyond the interim label? The last time the Raiders had an interim head coach, Rich Rich Basaccia, did great, way better than than anticipated, way better than expected, and it didn't matter. The Raiders just yeah. moved on and and hired, you know, Josh McDaniels. I'm guessing that Mark Davis is going to want to go out and hire a brand name, hire a guy he can kind of give the keys to the kingdom to. I'm guessing that Antonio Pierce might be in the same kind of situation where it's not going to matter how well he does. Yeah, Mark Davis came out and said this week that uh, Antonio Pierce has a chance to, or the Antonio Pierce and Chip Kelly, who's the interim GM, um, both of them have a chance to kind of earn the full-time jobs this year. I just don't know how much I would buy that because of, like you said, like the last time they had an interim head coach, the guy took him to the playoffs and it didn't seem to matter. They still canned him. So I kind of take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. I kind of feel like Antonio Pierce is walking into a situation too. That's not really favorable, which I mean, usually when you're an interim coach and the, and the other guy gets fired, that's typically the case is it's not exactly a good team where you're not exactly set up to set up to succeed. Um, so I mean, I guess technically if we're going by Mark Davis's word, he has a chance. But, yeah, I, I kind of get the same feeling as you that this was more of a move to kind of get you through the rest of the season in the back half of the year, and then he's probably going to want to bring in, um, you know, his guy and that guy uh, or his guy or pick as head coach, and hopefully it's a better pick than his last one. <laughs> 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Matt, let's talk a little bit about the Raiders on the field. Let's talk a little bit about them offensively and defensively. Now, the Giants are, to this point, the worst team in the NFL on offense. They're averaging 11.5 points a game, which is just, which is embarrassing. <laughs> and, you know, there's there are a lot of reasons for that. Injuries to Saquon Barkley, injuries to the offensive line, some poor quarterback play, which I think has been a result of of some of those other injuries, or, or at least partially caused by some of those other injuries. It's just it's it's been a dysfunctional mess all season long. The Raiders haven't been much better. And no. beyond, you know, I think it's 15 points a game, I think 30th in the league in scoring. Beyond the the McDaniel's factor. Can you just talk a little bit about about what's going on? You know about about where the shortcomings have been with that offense. Well, I think a big part of it was Jimmy Garoppolo. To be honest with you, you know Jimmy Garoppolo. He's been this has probably been the worst I've ever seen him play. You know I followed his career somewhat closely with him playing for the Niners, and I can tell you, you know he had bad happy feet in the pocket when pressure started coming in San Francisco it's gotten worse this year where it's basically like, as soon as he doesn't see his first reads open, he starts to panic a little bit. And I think that's been a big issue. The offensive line has been, they've been solid in pass protection, but they've definitely regressed from last year, which is weird because they have basically everybody back. The only change is that right guard, which is was the weak link last year it swapped out Alex bars for uh, Greg Van Roten. Um, and then part of that too is in the running game. They were never great run blockers. I didn't even think they were that great last year when when Josh Jacobs won the rushing title. They've gotten even worse this year. Um, on PFF, like Jacobs is averaging like less than one yard before, before first contact. Uh, uh, the last time I checked on it, so he's kind of getting the ball and having to make somebody miss right away. Uh, he hasn't been quite the same either. Uh, going back to Garoppolo a little bit, him and Devonte Adams haven't been on the same page. I don't know if you guys saw the Monday night game where Garoppolo was was missing. Uh, Missing Devontae um, pretty much everywhere, but hitting him, you know, long, deep, short, behind him, everything else in between. Um, so that's been an issue, too, because Devontae hasn't been, you know, the guy that we've we've been used to seeing him over the last few years. So I'm kind of hopeful that, you know, the switch to Aiden O'Connell will push things around a little bit. Um, with Jimmy Garoppolo, too, he wasn't pushing the ball down the field. So they were they were getting eight and nine man boxes, which you don't see very often in today's version of the NFL. So. Again, hopefully that quarterback change will push the ball down a little down the field a little bit and force teams into those uh to get that safety out of the box and then help the run game a little bit too. But yeah, it's been 
been a collection of a lot of things. McDaniels was part of it, but yeah, the offensive line definitely needs to play better. Um, running game's got to get going, and then hopefully Aiden O'Connell can uh, can help give the passing game a lift too. What is it that you think the Raiders like about O'Connell, other than the fact that he's not Jimmy Garoppolo? <laughs> well, I think that's a bit. I think what you just said is is a big uh, piece of it, at least in the fan base for sure. But I think with Aiden O'Connell is uh, one of the things is. He's accurate. You know, he was with Purdue. I think he broke Drew Brees' record for a completion percentage or something like that. Um, and he's really good in like the short to intermediate areas. And he takes measured shots too. That was something that I was really impressed with him in the preseason that I didn't kind of expect just from watching him at Purdue. Is he wasn't gonna take he wasn't a guy that's gonna you know bomb it down the field a bunch of times, but when he did, he was efficient and he would hit it and it would be you know one or two throws, but it was again something that would work and at least keep defenses honest. So I think that's one of the biggest things is, um, you know, he's he's accurate. He's decisive with the ball, which is rare for a rookie. Uh, and then, too, like he's he's willing to take those shots and um, I think kind of understands that the offense a little bit better than uh, than Garoppolo at least showed from showed on game days. All right, let's talk about the Raiders defensively a little bit. I mean, how how much are uh... Raiders fans sort of uh, frothing at the mouth and looking, waiting for, for Max Crosby to line up against Evan Neal. Yeah, I, I think uh, a lot of people are looking forward to that matchup. I mean, Max has had an un- unreal year. I mean, even last week, I thought he was going to have a tough time with Penny Sewell because Penny Sewell, I think, is one of the better up in, or at least up and coming uh, offensive tackles in the league. Crosby kind of ate his lunch. They need to give Penny Sewell uh, help in the second half a lot. And I think that's definitely a matchup that. A lot of Raider fans are going to be looking forward to. I know I definitely think that's going to tilt in the Raiders' favor because Max has been on a mission. He's been a madman this year, and he's hard to stop. He's someone that you kind of have to account for um, with two guys every single time, and sometimes you have to even account for him with two guys when he's on the backside of a run. He's just been that unreal this year and taking his game to another level. And then on top of it, too, he's an amazing pass rusher where, where again, you better chip him because if you leave your tackle one-on-one, he's probably going to win. So what else? Uh, we know it's a Patrick Graham defense, which means, you know, Patrick's going to basically design his defense from back to front. He's going to play coverage. He's he's not going to blitz a ton. He's basically going to try to disguise coverage and fool quarterbacks that way. Um who else on that defense really other than Crosby, you know, who else or what else? do the Giants have to account for? Yeah, I think one guy that's definitely kind of what you're talking about that goes in line with, you know, having disguised coverages and, and, and all that stuff is Trevon Merrig. Uh, last year with Patrick Graham, he wasn't quite as good. They tried putting him in man coverage against tight ends, and that's not that's not his game. Uh, that's not what he wants to do. But what he is really good is he's a good zone safety where if you put him in multiple spots and kind of move him around and keep defenses guessing, he can make a lot of plays. And he's played a lot better this year. I think he has two interceptions already, which is which leads the team and is huge for a team that struggled to get uh, get picks last year and um, you know is already a career high for him. So he's kind of the number two that uh, I re- that I've been really impressed with on the defense this year so far. Um, you know, the defensive linemen, their tackle, their defensive tackles, kind of hit and miss. You know, John Jenkins is a good run defender who occasionally will, will uh, um, get pressure every now and again. Adam Butler is another guy that's been. Uh, popping up lately more as a pass rusher on the interior. Um, and then, too, they have Malcolm Kuntz, who's uh, had, had a few moments, just can't put it consistently. And then there's the rookie, Tyree Wilson, who's still kind of figuring it out. So 
they are definitely as a unit over ex, over uh, exceeding expectations. I think they're like the the Raiders have like the second fewest cap space um, allocated to their defense. And I mean, for what they've been or for what they have, like they've been playing lights out and they've been playing out of their minds. So um, it's definitely a a group that doesn't have a whole lot of names, but they're playing well as a unit right now and as a whole. And I think you know that's something we definitely saw last Monday night too against a really good offense where. They were able to keep them out of the red, out of the end zone for a while and hold them to a lot of field goals in the red zone. So tell me a little bit when you look at this game and you look at the Giants. Obviously, we talked about the Giants' offense has struggled to score, but this week you've got Daniel Jones coming back. You have a healthy Saquon Barkley. The Giants might have their two starting offensive tackles, Andrew Thomas, who's a a tremendous player and, and Evan Neal back. So they might be, you know, relatively whole on offense. Although Darren Waller, who you guys know really, really well is not going to play because of another hamstring injury, which he's already admitted is going to cost him a few weeks, but you know, so, so we, we know that the giants could be, better offensively or at least positioned to be better they've played really well on defense the last few weeks when you look at this game from a Raiders perspective what things are there about the Giants that that concern you I think one of the biggest concerns is Dexter Lawrence Uh, I mean that guy's been one of the best defensive tackles in in the NFL over the last few years Um, and the Andre James he's been you know a solid average center at best but one thing that he really struggles with is a good nose tackle that lines up right over the uh, right over the ball. And obviously, that's how the Giants like to use Dexter Lawrence. So I think that's kind of the the biggest matchup that I'm worried about that that can really derail the Raiders' offense and um, definitely tilts in the Giants' favor. Um, you know, as far as anything I think that shifts in the Raiders' favor, I definitely think you know what we were just talking about the Max Crosby versus Evan Neal or whoever's that right tackle will help him out. Um, I believe the Giants are a little beat up on the interior too, if I'm not mistaken. So I like how that uh, uh, matches up with the Raiders and what they've been able to do this se- this year. But it's a it's an interesting game because uh, two teams that I think um, have a lot of similar issues and uh, not exactly. It could be we could be in for an interesting uh, or not so interesting Sunday afternoon with the, uh, um, without a whole lot of scoring. <laughs> well, at at least we hope that the uh that the Giants this week will actually not play 1930s football and will actually attempt some go. forward passes. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. Hey, Matt, let's uh, let's let's wrap this up with uh, we'll, we'll do a little predictions. We'll do our, our little game predictions here. But, uh, you know, before we do that, let's uh, let's read our little sponsorship uh, from DraftKings Sportsbook, which sponsors this section of of our podcast gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in new york call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in connecticut help is available for problem gambling by calling 888-789-7777 or visiting ccpc.org Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 and over age varies by jurisdiction. 
void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. All right, Matt, you know, when I picked this game, the, uh, the weekly picks that we, you know, we use at SB nation, most of our sites use the, the tally site software to, uh, to do picks. And, and when I did my picks this week, I picked the giants. Maybe that's a Homer pick. I think my entire staff picked the Giants, which definitely is a homer pick. And it always <laughs> concerns me when all of us do that, especially in a game that I look at and I see as a 50-50 game that could go either way. The biggest thing that concerns me about the Raiders is the thing that we talked about already in regarding the Josh McDaniels firing. It lifted a cloud of... Yeah, of angst, unhappiness, you know, despair, whatever you want to call it. The Las Vegas Raiders players are a lot happier today than they were on Tuesday. And the other part of that is I have no idea how good a head coach Antonio Pierce is going to be, but I know he can motivate men. I know he can lead people. And there's oftentimes there's, there's just an emotional bump sometimes for a week or two when, when you get a, a thing like this to happen, especially maybe with a guy who can motivate the way Antonio Pierce can. And, and that's the thing that concerns me about this game. I think the Giants can win it. I think they'll put up more points than they've been putting up. But, but you know, so as I said, I'm picking the Giants, but, uh, you know, how do you see it and do you, do you agree with me that that the Raiders could get just an emotional bump, especially being at home? Yeah, I mean, if it uh, makes you feel any better, I think everyone on our site picked the Raiders, so we're just going straight homer picks across the board, I guess, uh, over at SB Nation this week. So uh, there, there you go, there you go. Uh, but yeah, no, exactly what you said. Like, I agree hundred percent. You know, I think Antonio Pierce. You know, I think he is kind of he already has been. You know, uplifting the spirits like we were talking about earlier. Um, his introductory press conference, I think, got a lot of uh, at least Raider fans pump, fired up for what he was saying. He was talking about growing up in Compton in L.A. and growing up a Raider fan. So I think there's definitely going to be a little bit more inspiration where I actually, on DraftKings for my prop bets, I actually put that the Raiders uh, gave out the, the pick of uh, the Raiders scoring first because I think they do come out of the gate swinging a little bit, come out with a little more momentum. And on top of it, too, they're also coming home after a really tough two-game road, uh, road, road trip where they got – blown out by the Bears, lost by two possessions, and got embarrassed on Monday Night Football uh, against the Lions. So I think there's a lot of motivation and a lot of you know external factors that we can't put on a stat sheet that are working in the Raiders' favor that I think can really help them out, especially, again, you know, coming back and playing at home, um, you know, a little road trip for the Giants there. So definitely, like you said, I think it's a little coin flip game if you remove all the emotions out of it. I think when you have the advantage that the Raiders have um, when you mix, when you bring that back into the equation – then uh, I think they can definitely get the job done and, and, and win. And hopefully we'll see a little bit more, a uh, little bit better offensive performance than what we've been seeing. So, As I said, I think it's the emotional component of this game that concerns me, especially especially at home, you know, in front of, in front of Raiders fans who, who seem to have managed to travel fairly well from, from Oakland to Las Vegas. It seems to, yeah. uh, seems to have not mattered. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's uh, uh, I mean, the I think part of the Raiders being, you know, the nomads of the NFL has kind of helped grow the fan base as frustrating as it can be from them moving from Oakland to LA back to Oakland and now to Vegas. So definitely think that helps. Plus, you know, not too many teams over here on the West Coast. So we get all the a lot of the Hawaii fans and all that stuff and, uh, you know, other states that didn't have franchises for a while, like Arizona. So definitely a good fan base that likes to travel. All right, Matt, appreciate uh, a little bit of time, a little bit of insight about the Raiders, folks. Check out uh, SB Nation's Silver and Black Pride, where uh, Matt is a contributor. If you want the uh, the, the Raiders' perspective on, on this week's game, and uh, as always, Giants fans, thank you for listening. Stay safe out there. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.